Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, If you've got your your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 28 from the 16th verse. We have been in the last really three weeks, we've been sitting in this whole idea of the Great Commission, um, looking at what does it mean to be a disciple. And if you haven't been around, if you haven't had a chance to catch up on the messages, I just believe with all of my heart that the things that we are talking about in the last few weeks especially, are so, so important. I think this is one of the most important series that we've ever done as a church. I would love for every single one of you to make sure that you go back and you listen to those messages, connect in, hear what God is putting upon the heart of this church and what it means to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, It is so, so important. We've been looking at this idea of the four fields this idea of we've taught, we've called it belong, believe, become, and build, uh, and we stumbled across, as I said a couple of weeks ago, when I was talking to someone about discipleship and making disciples of all nations and belonging, believing, becoming, and building. How it's cyclical, not linear. And he said to me, "Because that sounds like the four fields." And I said to him, what the heck are you talking about? I've never heard that. He goes, the four fields is being used all over the world and they're seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ in the, you know, in, in the East and it's incredible. And so that's what we've been looking at, the idea that there are four, there's the idea of four fields and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but we've been sitting in Matthew 28, Matthew 13. So in Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You don't have to have it all together to be a follower of Jesus. Amen? You don't have to have all your I's dotted and T's crossed to be useful in the kingdom of God. And this is one of those things, if, if I could have shared for 55 minutes, that God really just spoke to us about over there are these stories of what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be someone who is moving towards Christ? There are a lot of people who know all their theology, but their eyes aren't on Jesus. They're moving away from Him. And there's a lot of people who are a long way, it seems, from Christ, and yet there's something that God is doing. We we had one of those seekers that we talked about over there, and uh, the first he came on the first day, came back the second day, and he. He uh, tapped the, I can't use his name now, tapped the guy on the shoulder wanting to talk um, and shared a story through uh, the translator and just basically said, oh, last night I had a dream that a man in white came and tapped me on the shoulder and then waved at him. And, uh, you know, in translation, he goes, I don't know what that means. I put my hand and said, oh, I think I might know what that means. (laughs) The man in white's Jesus and he's just introducing himself to you and he's saying, come follow, like you, you heard all this stuff about Jesus yesterday. He wants to meet with you and this is what they're seeing over there and this is what we're seeing in Australia, that God is moving, God is, he is on the move, seeking to draw all people unto himself and he's called the church to go and be fishers of humanity, to go and share the good news of the gospel, to go and be the net and scoop out. He's the one who changes lives, not us. He's the one who draws people unto himself, not us. But he says, hey, I'm raising up a church to go and do the, do the fishing. So he says, 
Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Jump over to Matthew chapter 13. From verse... One through nine, as Jesus tells a parable that aligns with his ministry. Jesus is saying uh, this parable actually speaks to the way he went about doing the work that, that, he'd been, that he'd come to do. From verse one, the same day Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprung up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 and 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears let them hear. Can we put the, the four fields up? So this is what we've looked at when you look at the parable of the sower and what Jesus went about doing in his ministry of making disciples and what he's called the church to do by the power of his Holy Spirit in making disciples is that there are empty fields everywhere. That every single person has an empty field. All of us have an empty field. Whether that empty field be the online space in the Middle East, whether it be the online space right here in Adelaide, whether it be your workplace, whether it be your school, whether it be your university, whether it be your family, there are empty fields everywhere. And so Jesus says, the sower went into a field. He's talking about going into uh, an empty field, which means as a Christian, you are called to have relationships and connections with people who are not Christian. We're not supposed to just live in our little holy huddles. We are supposed to, yes, gather together for the purpose of encouragement and strengthening and connection so that we might go. Yeah? He didn't say in Matthew 28, just come to church. No, he said, go and make disciples. There is a going of discipleship. So we go into an empty field. And then we sow, we sow, Nick talked about this last week, the gospel, we sow the gospel seed liberally. The picture is not that it's one seed drop there or one seed drop there. I, I wait until I find the really good soil and then I'll drop a seed. The, the sower goes in and just sows the gospel seed and some lands on the path, some lands in shallow soil, some lands amongst the weeds. We don't know where it's gonna land, right? It's not up to us. It's not our job to make the seed grow. It's just our job to tend what is sown, but firstly to sow. To actually go, wherever God has put me, I am here to bring something of the message of Christ. Do you know what? Not everyone has the gift of evangelism, but every person who follows Jesus is called to evangelize. Let me say that again, because some of you looked at me with like square eyes. Not everyone has the gift of evangelism. Not everyone can walk into a room and see 16 people and have a strategy in their mind, right, I'm gonna share the gospel with all 16 of you in the next 26 seconds. 
Like not everyone has that gift, right? But everyone is called to evangelise. It's not, it doesn't get easier. It's not like it just becomes an easy thing to do. It's always challenging. It's always hard. Why? Because it's out of our comfort zone, right? But that's the call of the cross. The call of the cross is not to a comfort zone. The call of the cross is to faith. And as we step out in faith, we're like, do I really believe the gospel? Do I really believe the good news that I was dead and buried in my sin and Christ has set me free? If I believe that, would I not want to share that with someone else who I love, who is dead and buried in their sin? There is hope. So if I love God and I love people, then I'll share the gospel in some way, shape or form. You know, Friday I had a little 20 minute break between meetings in Mount Barker. So I snuck in and got a quick haircut. And as I got a quick haircut, the hairdresser says, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a pastor. Empty field. And the conversation just starts going and we're talking about creation, we're talking about the earth and she's talking about that she doesn't really believe that, uh, you know, that there was one creator. She thinks there's this higher power out there somewhere and that they've put the earth right on the exact rotation so that there can be life. And I said, yeah, that's God. What you're talking about is God. And she goes, yeah, but it could be a, a, like a higher civilization. I'm like, yeah, you're talking about the kingdom of heaven. Like, the church, she's like, yeah, but the chance, the fact that there's life here and there's so much, to, like there's, there's this entire universe and galaxies out there, surely there's gotta be life somewhere else. I'm like, well, that's one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is that the chances that in the vastness of space that a planet would happen to land at the exact distance from the exact size of sun with all the planets in the right area that it just maintains this perfect rotation at the perfect angle so that it doesn't you know, burn up and it doesn't freeze, that life could happen in the vastness of space. You could say just the chances that that could even happen once is incredible. The fact, the chance of that happening twice infinitely smaller. So I choose to believe that that higher power you speak of is God. And that then led to a conversation about Egypt and the pyramids and how you know, they got started and, <laughs> and a conversation about how they believe there was a higher, you know, a much more advanced civilization thousands of years ago and this enormous you know, storm happened and wiped them out. And I just said to her, you know, the Bible talks about a flood. And she went, no, oh, I know. <laughs> I don't know where that conversation's gonna land, but that's scattering seed, right? That's the scattering of seed. You never know, I can't wait for my next haircut <laughs> to, see, to see what comes from it. We're called to scatter seed. We're called to empty, like recognise everywhere we go as an empty field. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, you might not feel like you have the language. You might not feel like you have the gift. You might feel like, man, I've got so much baggage from my life. I do not have what it takes to be a gospel sharer. You do have one thing and that's the name of Jesus. And you don't have to have it all together, but you can say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. There is a hope in Jesus. You have a story. I think Nick went through the blessed thing with you guys last week. And there's so many different ways, but 
We have Jesus, let's share Jesus. And so today we come to this third field, this field of discipleship. And I promised you in this passage that we would be really practical in this series, we'd be really practical, right? Because sometimes we can talk up here and we can walk away with like great theology, but we go, but how do I practically do that? Like, give me a tool to do something. So here's what we're gonna do today. I'm gonna give you one tool, just one tool. There's a thousand ways that we can disciple someone. This is not the only tool, do you hear me? But this is one tool that in my own life, in the last six months, I have found to be incredibly powerful and incredibly effective. This is the tool that uh, we are seeing around the world at the moment that is bearing great fruit. This is a tool, David Watson wrote a book called Contagious Discipleship. And he's a guy in the last 30 years that through his ministry, over one million people have been baptised in India. He calls himself a millionaire because he's had the privilege of seeing a million souls come to Christ. You know, if you're gonna be a millionaire, I don't know about you, that's the kind of million. I was like, I've been so stirred up by this. This is the stuff that we are seeing. This is the tool that is being used and seeing great fruit. This is the tool that we taught the people in the Middle East to say, hey, it's not just up to one person to win the Middle East for Jesus. It's for all of us. And there's one tool that you can use. And so the tool is the discovery Bible method. And you'll see these. I saw some of the kids making paper planes out of them. Don't do that. We spread them out, even if it's one per two. I think we're gonna have some stuff up on the screen as well. If you're a note taker, take that. And so today's gonna be a bit different. We're gonna get a little bit practical. We're gonna have a little bit of a role play and we're gonna walk through the Discovery Bible method. This, this resource comes to us from our friends at Crossway Baptist over in Melbourne. Crossway have picked this up in the last few years. They too are seeing incredible fruit. Dale, their pastor, tells this incredible story of... Uh, a lady in their church who went with this method and she had a, an Islamic friend who she said, hey, do you wanna read the Bible together? The Islamic friend said, yes. They started to read the Bible and they, I can't remember what passage they read, but in the last section, which we'll get to in a minute, as she was saying, the commitment section, what does this mean to obey? The Islamic friend said, well, I need to go and share the gospel with my family. So she went, still, an, still a Muslim, shared that Jesus is the Christ with her Muslim family. When it came time to the response, the obedience, the response was, we need to get baptised. A Muslim woman baptised her Islamic family into the name of Jesus. You're not as excited about that as I am. <laughs> you must not have heard me properly. A Muslim woman baptised her Islamic family into the faith of Jesus Christ, came back to the friend who was doing the Discovery Bible where you do the beginning, how'd you go with your commitment last week? She told that story. <laughs> and then when it got to the end part, the, the new commitment, the person leading the Bible Discovery said, what does it mean for you? She goes, well, I suppose I should get baptised. <laughs> What we're talking about here is simply letting the Word do its work. The power of the Word 
of God for transforming lives and discipling people in the faith. Again, my charisma, my intellect, my natural gifting cannot and will never change someone's life. Only the Holy Spirit can change someone's life and we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. It is the Word of God, as the Word of God is proclaimed, as the Word of God is consumed, as the Word of God is taught, as the Word of God is meditated upon, the Word of God does the work of God. And as the church of Jesus Christ begins to actually trust in the Word, instead of all our fan-dangled technologies, which are useful for getting the Word out there. But as we trust in the Word, we will see radical transformation, friends. I'm telling you, just last weekend, we had a worship night down at Semaphore and 60 people got baptised into the faith, 40 of which were first-time commitments. How did that happen? Because... Using some online technology, the Word of God was going out. There's this thing called Jesus said in red where they're simply saying, what does Jesus say about anxiety? What does Jesus say about this? And all it is is just quotes of the Bible. In Adelaide alone, hundreds of thousands of people are checking in. They're saying at the moment that when a video has the name of Jesus, the views are like twice that of anything else. People are getting interested and it's the Word of God that will change. David, get back on track. Okay. Why the Word? Let me just give us some justification. Why trust the Word? 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says, all of Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Not some, not the parts that I like (laughs) and find fit my doctrine, all of Scripture, which means some of it's not easy but that doesn't mean we get to bend it and change it. It means we wrestle with it and we talk about it and we try and figure it out. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and active. It's not dead. It's not a great book. It's not a compelling research article or a historical document. It is living and active, powerful able to penetrate to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, which means it does stuff spiritually and it does stuff physically. Psalm 138 verse two, you have exalted your word above your own name. What this means is that God has subjected himself to his word, which means he never goes back on his word, which means what he said will happen. And we can trust his word. It means he's not gonna say anything contrary to that which he has already said within his word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. Faith doesn't come just by hearing a great testimony, it comes when the Word of God is put out. That's how faith happens, through the Word of God. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. Friends, it will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. How good 
Jesus is the living Word who came to do exactly that which He promised all along. John 17 said, you're right if I just keep justifying. Do you need more justification? Let's do it. John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth, your Word is truth. So we're actually changed and transformed. That's what sanctification means, by the Word. Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. John 8, 31, 32, if you abide in my Word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will You wanna be free? Yes. You want people to be free who you love? Yes. The Word of God is what sets us free. How good. One more, Proverbs 35. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Friends, we can trust the Word of God. So let's use the Word of God. And so this is what we're about to do. One simple tool. Again, there are many tools. This isn't the only way. But one way that we can tend that sow and seed, that we can, we can watch God grow His church, that we can participate in, in a way that you don't have to go and do a Bible college degree. You don't have to go and stand on a pulpit and be able to preach. All you need is the Word and a couple of questions and you watch God grow His church. Do you wanna have a look at this? Is that all right? Yeah? yeah? All right, awesome. Let's have a look at it. So I'm, I'm gonna talk us through it. And as we do, I'm gonna invite uh, Leona and Craig up. And Julian, can we move this for a little bit? Yeah. You guys wanna get a couple of chairs? Hi, guys. Can we welcome Leona and Craig? And can we get another mic? Is that all right? So as we do, let me, let me talk us through the Bible discovery method. So the idea of, or the discovery Bible method, the idea here is really simple. ABC, it's as simple as ABC is what they say. All right, and it begins with this idea of ask. Now, something that's not on your little pamphlet is the, the initial conversation in however it starts is to simply say to someone, are you interested in reading the Bible with me? Are you interested in reading the Bible? That's it. Sometimes people will say no. Guess what? That's okay. Remember the message a couple of weeks ago, we're looking for people of peace. There'll be people who will say, no, I don't wanna read the Bible. But if you have relationship with them, that's okay. You can ask them if they wanna read the Bible. Who knows? I've got a friend who I asked that question to for five years. It was only in the last six months that he goes, actually, yeah, I'd like to read the Bible with you. So be persistent. Don't be a pain, but be persistent. You don't have to bash him over the head with the Bible. You simply say, hey, do you wanna read the Bible with me? Because we're gonna let the Bible do its work. That's how it begins. And so if that person says, yes, then you come to B, A, B, the Bible. All right, and the way the Bible works is we just choose a really simple passage. Probably don't begin in like Revelation, you know, <laughs> the mark of the beast and the great dragon. Like, let's just... Let's just keep it simple. Let the gospel speak. And so here's what we're gonna do. Let's go, what, what passage should we use? How about we do uh, Jesus calms the storm? So we'll go to Mark chapter four, verse 35 to 41. If you've got your Bible, you can join in with them. Who's excited to do something a little bit different today? 
Mark chapter four, verse 35 to 41. So we pick, Mark four. I will. Yeah, or Craig can use a different one. So the idea is once you get the Bible and you pick a passage, you then ask that person to read it aloud. And so Leona's gonna start because Craig's invited Leona to read the Bible with him. And Leona said, yes, I'd love to read the Bible. I'd love to read the Bible, Craig. And so he says, why don't we read Mark chapter four, verse 35 to 41. And Leona has the Bible that she's downloaded because Craig's told her, hey, you can download the Bible on an app. It's really easy. She's like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't you can even know that. download the Bible on an app. Oh, can I? You can. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh. And so then Leona will read it aloud. Can I read the app? You can read the app. All right. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let, let us go over the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then when the wind died down and it was completely calm, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Awesome. And then what Craig does is he reads it aloud again, but in a different translation. So this is the ESV translation for those who care. (laughs) On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. So good. And then what we do is we ask uh, the members in the group to recount the story from memory. So we've read it, we've let the word be read and heard. And now without looking at the text, we just recount what we have just heard from memory. Yeah, so um, Jesus was with his disciples on land and there was obviously a large crowd and they left that and went into a boat and there were other boats with them as well. And then when they were on the lake, a massive storm came and water already entered the boat. So it must have been quite a terrifying situation. And Jesus was fast asleep and his disciples kind of freaked out. And walking was like, Jesus, like, why are you sleeping? What's going on here? Do you not care that we are drowning? And um, yeah, Jesus said to them, Like, what are you doing? Why are you afraid? Do you not have faith? And then Jesus talked to the wind and to the waves and it calmed and they were terrified that even the weather would listen to him. That's fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) Do you want to try to be as good? (laughs) 
No, I actually don't want to try to be as good. I, I believe in clarity with brevity. <laughs> which means I only remember about half as much as you did. <laughs> but in my, in my own words, um, Jesus was speaking to a crowd. And um, he said to the crowd, well, he said to his disciples, come, let's get in the boat and go on to the other side. I'm not sure where the other side was or how far it was, but it says, let's go to the other side. So they got into the boat and yes, uh, they were traveling along there and a great windstorm was the word my translation used. I remembered that much. Very, very good. Yeah. Um, and, and this windstorm, and, and yes, the water, see, I've got an advantage because you actually said it again. So I get two lots. Um, a windstorm broke. And yes, there was water even coming into the boat. But Jesus was asleep on a pillow in the rear of the boat, the stern. I don't think you mentioned stern. No. I, I, I remember stern. Um, so, so he was in the stern of the boat asleep on a pillow. And um, they woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing, that we're dying? We're actually all going to die. And Jesus looked at them and said... Why are you worried? Are you still even short of faith? Haven't I been with you for a while? And you still have no faith? But then he stood up and spoke to the wind and the waves and said, be still. And they were. And then the disciples said to themselves, who is this guy? That even when he speaks to the natural elements, they obey what he says. So good. So you can see what's happening. Yeah, let's give him a round of applause. That's good. But you can see what... The idea here is that the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit is just going deep. It's going over and over, just allowing that story, allowing the truth of God's Word to begin to penetrate. And then what we do in that moment is a simple question, which is, what is this saying? Like, what is God saying here? What, is this, what does this mean? What, is, what's, what stands out? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? What does, what does this say about God? And the, the the thing here, the hard part here is sometimes people can go a little bit left of centre. And what we wanna do is use our theology or our, the stuff we've learned in church to correct them instead of using the word. Classic example, just the other night as we were, you know, I, was, I met someone and we were doing this with the, the light of the world passage where he says, you are the light of the world. This lady said to me, she goes, oh, what God's saying is I am a God of light. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> but that's where you just find another passage. So let the Bible do the work. Just another passage where says, Jesus is the light of the world, you know, all these sorts of things. And so you just say, oh, is that really what it's saying? Let's look at this passage. Let the Bible do the work. And so that question, what's God saying here? What stands out to you? I think the thing, as I was reading through this, this time, Leona, was um, it says... You've been with me for a while and yet still you have no faith, not sufficient to either trust me or even do this yourself. You know, that the wind and the waves, surely I'm with you. You know, surely you know this. And I don't know for you, but for me, sometimes almost I feel like God's saying, surely you know this. And I think with justification, but I am like those disciples. And yet what happens next is Jesus does something. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I think um, as I was reading it, I was thinking about, yeah, just again, life, even my life, to be honest, in the last term, where it felt like just one wave after the other crashing, and sometimes there was no 
really a lot of time to breathe in between. And there was another big bang and another big bang and, and expectations and tasks and all of this just crashing at once. And I had a moment when I was at home and I cried and I said, Lord, I actually feel um, it's, it's too much. It actually is too much. And it's an encouragement, isn't it? And when life seems too much, when, when we don't sometimes understand, um, when we feel like we're drowning, like the boat, that Jesus can speak to us, that the Spirit can speak to us and be like, well, quiet down. Actually, mm. just all I ask you right now is to come to me and to sit with me. And I remember that day when I just did and I still had like, felt like 50,000 assignments to do and, and everything else. And I just went for a walk and I prayed and I um, just said, all right, Lord, it's about you. Just calm. Can you calm me? I guess in this passage, now, can you calm the storm? And he, and he did. And I felt like that he just really sorted my mind and I, he gave me a structure in my mind and he said, all I want you each day is to look at one task at a time, break it down into little portions and I did and I felt like he sustained me through it all and I can now say I'm done with these diamonds. So it's great. So I felt like he came quite, he did quiet my storm and how God mm. um, yeah, is truly there in times of waves. Mm. So good. And if I was allowed to speak in that space, <laughs> one of the things that stands out to me is that it says that the disciples were afraid of the storm, but they were terrified of Jesus when he calmed the storm. Mm. That stood out. And so why? And we can begin to ask those questions. Why is that the case? And that whole idea that the water for a Hebrew people was that was a crazy thing. Like it was symbolic of death and yet, Jesus has the power over death. Jesus is the one who has power over the natural elements. Only God can tell the waters what to do. And Jesus calms the storm. What does that say about Jesus? What does that say about Jesus? He is God. And I missed a bit in there. Between that and the other, we're supposed to read it silently, but we're moving on. So, but you give people a chance to sit there, let the Word get in. Then after we've read the Word and we've, we've talked, what does this say about Jesus? What does it say about God? What does it say about the Bible? Again, if it goes weird, where do we see that in the Bible? Let's go to the Bible, let the Bible direct us. But then you finish with this idea of commit, A, B, C. And you simply say, well, how do we obey? Remember, Acts 28, it says, teaching them to obey. And the key here is that whole idea of obedience. Because when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about what is a disciple, a disciple is not someone who has profound doctrine. A disciple is not someone who knows heaps about God. No, a disciple is someone who is moving towards Christ. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus. A disciple is an apprentice. It's someone who is longing to be more like Him. And the best way to say that is, is that simple word obedience. I think in the church we get so fixated on doctrine that we forget to teach people simply to obey the commands of Christ. Let, let the Word of God over time sort doctrine out. The church, like we've got ourselves in so much mess because we've been so fixated on irrelevant things. 
You might find this hard to believe, but even the Baptist church can make mountains out of molehills. <laughs> you know, years ago, oh, we have to finish, but years ago, <laughs> when I was a student spiritual development facilitator at, at a school, I uh, invited local youth groups to come into that school to run sessions with our year nines so that youth pastors and youth leaders could come in, they could have some fun, they could cook them some brekkie and they could share something of Jesus and then they could, you know, if they wanted to, they could invite them along to community, could connect them in. And I invited like 10 different churches, probably five said, yes, we're keen. And I had someone get their knickers in a knot and ring me up because one of those churches was of a denomination that was different from the denomination of the school. Like, how dare you let those people come in to our community? And I remember sitting there, I was like, by those people, do you mean brothers and sisters in Christ? <laughs> I'm like, I'll vow, I'll vow, they love Jesus. Let's not divide over, you know, weird things around communion and Let's just focus on Christ and all that He has done and let the Word of God, as we grow in maturity, shape us and as we walk that walk. Does that make sense? And that's really what we're trying to do here. We're trying to teach people to obey the commands of Christ. And in so doing, it's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about not trying to fit people into our little box. It's saying, Follow Jesus. Jesus is the one we're pointing to. Jesus is the one who saves you. Jesus is the one who has come to set you free. Follow Him. Trust in Him. Love Him. Point to Him. Get your eyes on Him. It's all about Jesus. And so we finish with a question of what does this, what does this mean? In light of what we've heard about Jesus, in light of what we've heard in this, this text, what does it mean to obey God in this? What does it mean to commit? What, what commitment are you gonna make in this next week before we gather again? Yeah, so I think for me, when I read this and think about what I was thinking, it's actually taking something where I am afraid mm-hmm. and not only putting my trust in Jesus, but acting in that space as well. Mm, so taking something where I'm afraid, where it seems too big, and maybe where I don't even think God possibly couldn't use me in that way, could he? And maybe just taking a step and saying, I'm gonna let God overcome that fear and, and work in that way. Love it. Similar, similar line to my thought, Greg. Um, yeah, and also to run to Jesus first. You know, like when stuff comes up to actually... To, to know who he is, to know that he sustains the universe, that he's got everything in his hands. And why is it that so often I just try and fix things or run ahead in my own, but not to him first? So to remind myself to whatever I do, maybe put him first and not second. Terrific. Awesome. Let's give him a round of applause. Thanks, team. So that's Discovery Bible. It is one tool, just one simple tool of many. But here's the thing. When Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, he meant it. Do you know that? The harvest is plentiful. 
but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field. We are living in a community where we don't have to fly to the Middle East to see souls saved. Right here in the Adelaide Hills, it is one of the least Christian, according to the census, one of the least Christian areas in all of the country. We have an empty field right outside these doors. Jesus is the one who builds his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, friends. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? We are surrounded by people of peace, surrounded by people who are just knocking and wondering if someone will come into that field to share the gospel and to actually say, hey, I'll read the Bible with you. I'll, I'll walk with you. I'll tend that seed. I don't know if that seed will grow up into a harvest a hundredfold. I don't know. It's not up to me to know that. All God is asking of me is faithful obedience for when a person of peace is brought into my life to simply say, let's read the Bible together. Let's let God reveal himself to you through his word to bring about faith. And he will do it, friends. I just cannot help but be really excited about what it might look like 12 months from now if every single person in this community who calls Hills Baptist home, every person in Lobethal, every person here in Verdun, Mount Barker, Allgate, online, beyond, what might God do with faithfully obedient saints who in our frailty, in our weakness, in our fear, in our vulnerability, heard a voice from a person of peace and simply said, do you wanna read the Bible with me? <laughs> Imagine what God might do. I wonder right here in this room, right now as I'm talking, if there's already a name coming to your mind who you know as a person of peace. How many of you know in this room a person of peace right now? What if we simply said, would you read the Bible to, with me? And if they say no, don't despair, don't give up. Simply say, okay. <laughs> Ask someone else. Ask them in six months. Ask them in 12 months. You never know what God is doing. But you know, on the 30... 1st of December, and team, you can come up because we're gonna close. On the 31st of December, what we have here on a Sunday is we always do a testimony service. So those of you who've been around for over a year would know that on, a, on the, the last Sunday of the year, we always have a time where we come up and we tell stories of thankfulness and we celebrate what God has done. Imagine if in the next week, Someone asks someone to read the Bible and that person says yes and that person comes to faith. Imagine if five, 10, 20, 50, and if those five, 10, 15, 
50, then do it themselves. Imagine that testimony service celebrating what God has done. We won't just be seeing 60 baptisms on a Saturday night. We will be seeing hundreds, maybe even thousands baptised into the name of Jesus, going from death to life, going from sinner to saint, knowing that they are found in the loving arms of Jesus, that He has rescued them from the curse of sin and death and not only washed them clean, but seated them in heavenly places. Do we long for that? I just, my heart is burning for this church that we would say yes to Him. Faithful obedience, it's all He asks for. Doesn't matter what baggage you have, doesn't matter if you don't have the language, doesn't matter if you feel inadequate, so do I. So does everyone here. Look to the left, look to the right. I guarantee you they're not perfect. Heck, Peter was afraid. And he's Peter, (laughs) you know? What if we said yes to Jesus? What would we see? Jude, you got a testimony? Yeah, come on up and then we'll finish. I can be trusted with a mic. <laughs> I'll be short. Um, I just wanna affirm what I'm hearing Dave say. I had a conversation with someone while I was waiting in hospital for a small um, surgery. And um, I, this guy was telling me how rich he was and how incredibly successful he was and all these things. And then and I said to him about what my daughter Ella's doing overseas. And, um, and I said to him, he said, oh, why is she there? And I said, well, well, she believes that God has called her. She believes that God is in her life. And he turned to me and he said, do you know, I've never even thought about God. Is there really a God? I've had two or three conversations like that lately. So it really struck me as strange that people don't even think about God. One other quick one, I was cleaning someone's house and they, I said, how are you? And they said, I'm really, really bad actually. I've got um, anxiety. And I said, oh wow, can I pray for you? And he, he looked at me dumbfounded and said, what's prayer? And I said, well, let me show you. And we prayed for him. And he was, he was almost in tears with gratitude. He said, I'd never even heard of that before. I've never even heard of praying. And so I just encourage everyone. Some people have no idea about God or prayer. Thank you, Jude. Let's stand to our feet. Friends, as we close, hear me. There's no coercion. It's not pressure. You don't have to share the gospel to be loved by Jesus. He loves you right where you are. But this is a matter of love. If we love our neighbour, do we not want them to know the love of the Father? Let's begin right there, an act of love. Do not walk out of here thinking, oh no, I have to share the gospel. (laughs) My prayer is you walk out of here and say, oh, that's a really helpful tool. Now I know one way to share the good news of Jesus with someone I love and let Him build His church. Let Him build His church. Let me pray. Loving Heavenly Father, I thank You for each person here. Lord, build Your church. The harvest is plentiful. 
right here in the Adelaide Hills. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So Lord, would you raise up workers and would you begin with us? Right here, right now, would you begin with us? Lord, we say, here we are, send us into whatever empty field you've put us in. We don't have to go searching for a field. The fields are right there. Just open our eyes, Lord, open our eyes to the people of peace. Show us, Lord, who to simply ask a question of. Let us trust in Your Word. Let us dive into Your Word. Let us know Your Word. Here we are, Lord, send us, we pray. We long to go. Yes, into all nations, but let it begin with our homes, our community. That's where the disciples started, in their own backyard. So send us into our own backyard. Grow your church. We trust you. You're good. You're true. Your word doesn't return void. Even if it takes 15, 20 years, your word will not return void. You promised it. So we trust the seed sown and we leave it up to you. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.